Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Welcome to Trending. It's great to be with you. It's our weekly Gentleman's Hour today on Trending. We're going to talk with Hugh Brown from American Life League about how husbands can fight for their marriage when things get difficult. I've been hearing a lot from spouses about difficult marriages and how can you fix it? Do you want to fix it? Well, we'll dive into that gentleman with Hugh Hugh Brown talking about real resources and ways to go deeper in your marriage. We'll talk about the role of a man in setting a good example in your family as well. Also, fascinating data came out over the last week. A pro-LGBTQ group in Maryland gave a presentation at the Montgomery County Public School, very large school district. And what came from that presentation, what has been leaked on an accident, is that there's been a 582% increase in so-called gender non-conforming students. This includes students all the way from elementary school through high school. The largest group where they're seeing an increase in so-called gender non-conforming ident- students, this is how they identify, is in the middle school age range. We're seeing essentially in two years, two years really between 2019 going toward 2022, the difference there, they see before when there would be one child identifying as gender non-conforming, now there are basically six. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. I do have some interesting uh, perspectives on this and what is and isn't being discussed in some of these points. I think it's important, but I am fascinated because parents in Michigan, in the state of Michigan, are standing up and not going along with this gender ideology. I'm going to share with you a little bit of a book that has been used for years in LGBTQ curriculum in California. I talked about it back in 2016 when it really hit the news, and we'll talk about it more today. And we're also going to talk about the fake news, real news. I don't know what you think. Do you think Madonna, the singer, pop sensation, music icon Madonna came out as gay this week? Ah. I don't know. I'll talk about it. I'll share my thoughts on it. But I do think she's always been a symbol of third wave feminism. And so I'll unpack a little bit of that in the double standard for gender when it comes to the military. Welcome to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Joining me now uh, from American Life League as the vice president, that is Hugh Brown. Hugh, welcome back to Trending. Timory, thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to talk to you again. It's our weekly Gentleman's Hour, and we're talking about, you know, important things happening in the culture right now. One thing that is always so prevalent is marriage. 
keeping your marriage together and the challenges that arise. Uh, it's, I think at the end of the day, often a choice to choose who you're going to marry and it's a choice to stay married to that person. How can husbands fight in their marriages when things become increasingly difficult? Well, that, that I think is a challenge that at a point comes to every marriage. And I think the reason that that challenge comes to every marriage at a point is that the Lord promised he'll never give us more than we can handle. And, you know, our faithfulness and our ability to resolve situations within our marriage um, is also a test for us. And, you know, faith is pointless if we don't lean on it. So in my experience, a marriage without faith is doomed to failure. Um, Faith Mm -hmm. has got to be at the center of everything that you and your spouse do. And as I just listened to you talk about the other things you're going to talk about, I mean, you know, we I grew up a comic book fan and it seems like we're in bizarro world now. You know, (laughs) everything is upside down, non-gender conforming and uh, just Mm -hmm. all this other nonsense. It's it is literally the wickedness and snares of the devil. Right. So within our marriage, you know, the most powerful thing that's ever been said to me was by my wife. Um, early on in our marriage, when we were dealing with conflict that could have could have broken our marriage apart. And she interrupted me when I was thought I was giving wisdom and talking about something. And the Holy Spirit spoke through her. And she said that my commitment was not to her. She said, there are three persons in this marriage. There's you, me, and the Lord. And your commitment is not to me. Your commitment and your vow is to the Lord. And that, I mean, it, it, it just shook me to my core. I mean, I've always been a faithful, you know, loving husband, but every, every marriage struggles. It's important that in marriage, we see each other as Christ asks us to see. I mean, she, you know, she is my everything. I, over the years in going to confession, at different times, the Lord, you know, the, the, the priest on just a, a typical confession will say, go say a Hail Mary for each of your children and your wife. And one time that I did that, what was given to me about my wife is the word adoration. Um, you know, I've got to adore her. So I think about, I thought about that. For, we've been married 30 years in November, but that was 22 years ago that happened. And I think about that every single day, every single day. My job is to adore my wife, to put her first. We're so vastly different men and women. You know, women like to talk and they want to express themselves and men don't want to say anything. We just want to solve problems. And it's, I've learned, you know, the hard way to listen to her, to, to, to be sympathetic, to be empathetic, to go way out of my way, um, to do whatever is necessary to help, you know, make her happy or, or, or lighten her load. And I think the key to a successful marriage is putting your spouse far above yourself as, as can be done, you know, as Christ asks us to do, you know, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. In a marriage, there's never a more important statement that your spouse has got to be first. You know, you and I have talked about football. She's got to be first uh, before football practice. She's got to be first before whatever hobbies I might want. She's got to be first before my own desires. She's got to be first before my own ambition. She's got to be first before any challenges I face. And the reciprocal, She, she. I, I wouldn't be talking to you without her. I mean, she has made my life everything. And I tell people all the time, I've said it since we were kids, my son rises and sets with her. She's, she is my everything, but I have got to remind myself every day that I adore her 
right? I'm not, I don't love her. I don't care for her. I adore her. And that means that no matter what it is, you know, I've got to put her first, be selfless. Um, and at the center of all that in our relationship, which is certainly not perfect, but is Christ. And I think without Christ, um, you're not going to have a marriage. You, I, I don't know how, I don't know how a secular relationship survives. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I, I can't relate to it. Maybe they can. I can't mm-hmm. relate to it because mm-hmm. we, we have five kids as we've discussed. And my gosh, you know, would they now range from 29 to 17? And I, I know your children are very little and I miss those days because the problems get very real when they hit their late teens and the challenges and the, the temptations of the world. And she and I always just lean back on our faith and love our children and try to do the best we can for them. And hopefully they're good reflections of, of what we've you know, hoped for in them. Um, and that's, you know, that, that to me is the, the, the key in the heart of the whole thing. You've got mm-hmm. to adore your spouse and you've got to put them first in everything. It sounds like it's a perspective shift. And if you're just joining us, you're joining us during our weekly Gentleman's Hour here on Trending with Tim Marie. That's Executive Vice President Hugh Brown from American Life League. Find him at all.org and the incredible pro-life work they're doing there. Uh, Hugh, it's a perspective shift. You talk about the importance of adoring your wife. It's a choice, right? You choose to marry someone and then you choose to stay married to them, but you also choose to adore them. You choose how you're going to interact in that relationship. And you mentioned earlier, there was a little bit of a turning point or a conversation you had with your wife coming from, you know, a faith-filled home, you know, intending a faith-filled marriage. What was, you know, maybe easy to kind of put on the back burner before some of these, you know, key moments of transformation in your marriage where you realized maybe you were thinking either from a secular perspective or uh, even a lazy faith perspective when it came to the approach of your marriage? What was missing? What, what, what was kind of the attitude there? So that is a fantastic question. So the, the, the turning point for me in my, I, I was born and raised Catholic, um, always took my faith seriously. But, you know, sin, really, I mean, sin is its own worst punishment. You know, I was surrounded by temptation in my in my mid twenties, and didn't give in to that temptation, but was extremely tempted by it, um, and put myself in a position that I shouldn't have put myself in. And the Lord, uh, the Lord expects you know of those who are given much, much is expected. And I went through a multi year period of anxiety and depression and fighting every single day. And the Lord used those things to lead me in the path that I should follow. I mean, I've always been a faithful man. I've always been a loving man to my wife. She's the only woman, you know, I've I've ever known um, and been with. But it is, you know, sometimes a struggle, right? How do you respond to the struggle? Like you said, choices. So for me, I, I think it was the Lord using the struggle and then coming through that struggle where I really discovered scripture, I discovered the Psalms and I could at a point relate to David and, you know, my, mm-hmm. you know, my, my, my bones felt like wax within my body. Um, and, and even Sirach, when he talks about sort of the furnace of humiliation in second Sirach, I, I related to all that, but I trusted in the Lord and I didn't care what anybody else thought. I cared about mm-hmm. my wife and I, mm-hmm. and she, she cared and loved me through. Um, and it just, it just awoke in me. I think the gifts that we receive at baptism and our confirmation, those gifts are there. The question is, are they awake? 
right? Mm-hmm. Are they awake? Meaning that you're willing to, 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 again, here comes the football part of it. Are you willing to bleed? <laughs> are you willing to struggle and fight and persevere? Um, today, we found ourselves today at the American Life League. We are celebrating our, our Marian Blue Wave, and my daughter leads that. It is, it is saying the rosary to, to defeat Planned Parenthood. We found ourselves um, in front of a Planned Parenthood saying the rosary for an hour. And now I haven't done that in a long, long, long time. And I only mention it because what, what struck me was when you talk about, you know, marriage and, and, and marriages that struggle, I would say that there were four different instances in an hour where a car just came to it, almost a, not a screeching, but almost figuratively a screeching halt in front of this Planned Parenthood, a very just sort of tired and worn, lovely human being, young woman got out of the car and the guy just drove off. You know, the guy and she went in there and who knows what they were doing. Um, But men have just got to be better. I mean, that to me, it's just absolutely devastating and heartbreaking for those young women where men just see them as objects. Right. And that's all that is. They just objectify women and and they end up in that situation and uh, make decisions that, you know, are are just awful. But I understand um, looking at, at that situation today, it was an eye opener for me. A lot of these young women are just, you know, they're put in situations by people who are just absolutely selfish, who are, are just full of, of, of just things that are not good and, and force young women into situations that they probably don't want to be in. And if those are marriages, my, my, my message, or the point that I'm trying to get to is you can't see your spouse as an object. You can't see your spouse as something that's a convenience to you. You can't see your spouse selfishly. Um, And men have a tremendous problem with that uh, because we can be very selfish. We can be very self-serving. We can be very self-centered. And that's got to die. And the only way that dies is through Christ. The only way. Mm -hmm. There isn't a secular Mm way. Um, There's Mm -hmm. just no other way. He's shown Mm -hmm. us the way. But do we want to do it is the question. Because I'm going to tell you, it, it is a fight. And it requires faith and it requires trust in the Lord to lead you down that path. You know, Hugh, I don't know how people do it. I agree with you. Living out a marriage and a prolonged, a permanent, you know, faithful marriage without faith, you know, that perspective shift, even, you know, you mentioned anxiety and depression, how it's easy, you know, for that to be a part of a man's journey. And yet you say with God, it's possible. And it keeps making me think of first John chapter five, uh, where the apostle John says, for whatever, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Mm. He goes on to say, who is it that overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus Christ is the son of God. It, John, the apostle who's seen this persecution, seen the persecution of the church, seen the, has seen the death of Christ. And he's saying the only thing that overcomes the world is our faith. You need to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that means conforming your life to it. And so how do you overcome depression and anxiety that impacts marriage? How do you overcome infidelity or temptation or whatever might be going on? I don't know how you do it without faith. And you speak volumes to that within the context of marriage. That's Hugh Brown, the Executive Vice President of American Life League. Find them at all.org, doing incredible pro-life, pro-family work. I'll be right back during our weekly Gentleman's Hour. If you have a question for Hugh, the number's 1-888-914-9149. We're going to come back talking about the role of a man in setting a good example in their family. We'll be right back here on Trending.
You're listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. The weekly Gentleman's Hour today on Trending. Love to hear from you, gentlemen. We're going to talk about the role of men in setting a good example in your families. Joining me is Hugh Brown, the Executive Vice President of American Life League. Find them at all.org. But first, Advent is coming up fast, and I'm so excited to prepare for Advent. If there are any specific questions you have, ideas for devotionals that you've loved, I'd love to hear from you. I'm prepping Advent ideas and devotionals. I know I love to start to ponder what I will be using for my materials during Advent uh, as an individual, but now with a family, with a toddler now. So if you have recommendations or questions, let me know. But as Advent is approaching, this year we're celebrating the Christmas season yet again with a beautiful nativity set that we would like to give to you. Relevant Radio is giving away 200 nativity sets. They are large. They are beautiful. An angel, Blessed Virgin Mary, St. Joseph. My daughter loved them. In fact, she loved them so much last year they didn't go outside because she'd stand there hugging and looking and gazing into the eyes of St. Joseph and Mary. So I just couldn't put it outside. Hopefully this year it'll get displayed outside. But these nativity sets are made possible by a very generous donor and are hand-painted and perfect for your porch, window, front yard. And the display is an opportunity to celebrate and remind people of the reason for the season. So to enter, you have until midnight central time, October 16th, to sign up. So just a handful more days here. So proudly welcome Christ into your hearts and home this year. Let us give you this free relevant radio nativity set. We're giving away 200. So make sure you sign up relevantradio.com slash set. That's relevantradio.com slash set. We'll post a link on social media too. Just follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E to grab that if you didn't catch the website. Okay, again, it's our weekly Gentleman's Hour. If you have a question, the number's 1-888-914-9149. Joining me now is the Executive Vice President of American Life League, Hugh Brown. Hugh, let's talk about the roles of men in the family and setting a good example. We know from a Catholic perspective, and maybe this is news, maybe it's not something you've heard before, uh, we have very traditional mindsets about marriage. We have traditional theology about the roles within the context of marriage. As old-fashioned or as offensive as that might sound, that's at the heart of the proper functioning and ideal of the family. And part of that includes the husband, the man, being the leader, the primary leader of the family, that that is his God-given role. And so when you said you wanted to talk about how a man, a husband, sets a role, sets an example in his own family, I kept thinking this has to come from a position of leadership. But one thing I notice, you is that many men seem to grapple with the idea of leadership, whether it's being usurped or disrespected, perhaps by a spouse in a job situation, or even this discomfort with what they think leadership should look like as an ideal. So can you talk a little bit about first kind of that idea of what a, being a leader within the home looks like? Absolutely. Absolutely. And let me begin by saying, you know, the, the rosary um, is, is a, obviously a crucial part of, of, the, of the Catholic family. And one of my kids asked me years and years ago, okay, so there's these millions of ro- millions and millions of rosaries being said every day. How on earth does the Blessed Mother have time to, to hear, you know, millions of rosaries a day? And, and the answer is that, you know, time is, time is a creation of the Lord, right? So there is no time in heaven, right? Everything, the beginning and the end, all of it 
is within God. So we have to enlighten our understanding that our time on this planet and the centuries that have gone by and how the world views us today is absolutely irrelevant, right? So when I hear, you know, traditional and um, uh, uh, old-fashioned, what I tell men <laughs> is is that, that that is absolutely the right and the only way. You can call it whatever you want to call it. Because right. you and I have discussed before that if you have a television in your home and you turn on anything uh, that the world uh, sitcoms, cartoons, dads are always portrayed as, as the useless moron, right? Sort of the foil and the foble. And, and it's just kind of it's, it's just a way to to minimize fatherhood, um, being husbands. And we have to get past all of that leadership, in my experience again, comes from just having a deeper relationship with Christ and understanding of your faith. Um, what you and I talked about in the previous segment, you know, part of what led me out of that was I began and haven't stopped you know, 30 years ago, saying the rosary every single day. And it's got to be a part of who you are. Um, and faith and understanding and wisdom, the, all of those, are, wisdom especially, that's a gift of the Holy Spirit we receive in confirmation. The Lord has given us all the tools necessary. You just have to understand that within your family, as a leader, as as the person that leads your spouse, your your wife, as a person that leads your children, the the greatest leaders are also the most humble people, right? It means we're stern when we have to be. We're very matter of fact in, in that this is what the Stanley and this is what the family rather stands for. Um, we we make the sacrifices. We deal with the the ramifications that our kids have to deal with because we don't go along with the world. We don't have this in our home. We don't have that in our home. We don't allow our children to do these other things that everybody else is doing. And we just reassure them by keeping Christ in the center of the things that we do, right? By making sure we go to mass, by making sure we pray as a family, by making sure we talk about things, by making sure um, that the family certainly prays together, that you know Christ is at the center of it all. And as you struggle and you work and you get through the, the day-to-day grind of life, you know having that as your center helps you through wisdom to naturally lead because Christ is leading us. As we lead our family, we're to serve Christ. He will lead us. That is an element of faith. We have to trust that. I've met guys that have said, listen, man, I'm not a leader. Look, I get that. I understand that. But right. if you don't have to be a leader, you don't have to admit that. But if you serve Christ and you're serving your family, he will lead you in the path mm-hmm. you should follow. And mm-hmm. you, you will then lead your family. And it doesn't have to be something where you've got a certificate on the wall that says right. you're a leader. That's faith. Yeah. We can't see it. You got to mm-hmm. believe it. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that you've had men, you know, bring up to you, you know, I'm not a leader. And I think there is a legitimacy to this confusion about the idea of leadership. I think some people think, oh, I have to have been, you know, the guy when I was, you know, a teenager that was, you know, ahead of the basketball team, or I have to be the guy who was student body president. You know, I have to be this certain type of guy. And well, I was never that. It, I'm not that today. And, you know, there there are leaders and there are followers in life, right? We talk a lot about that within you know, the secular workforce. And it's helpful to know what you are and to also work on that leader within. But it's not a matter of being the person that's always at the head of the pack leading everything. It's self-leadership, self-ownership, responsibility. And that's a totally different perspective from what we think leadership is. And I think why many men either reject or just look at it and say, I can't meet that standard. 
Well, that, that's an interesting point. I, I think, as we discussed earlier, if you have Christ in the center of, of your home, right? We, the, the home is the domestic church. Um, because I coach a football team and because I'm involved with the Catholic high school, I get to meet a lot of families. Some, some are Catholic, some are Christian, some, some are, are neither, right? And my message is always the same. You know, the truth, the, the, the truth of Christ, the natural law, was written onto the heart of each of us at, at our creation. It's there, right? And we just, even if you want to call it right thinking and you're trying to find your way to Christ or find your way to Catholicism, that's faith, right? But none of that happens without prayer. None of that happens without uh, the, the proper relationship between a husband and, and a wife inside the home. Men have to, again, trust in, in that, in, trust in their faith. Trust in the Lord, trust in the gifts that we've received from the Holy Spirit, that he will lead us and we will lead our families. And I, I agree with you. I think it's a misnomer that you have to be the, the captain of the football team to be a good leader. It's not true. Those in many times are the last guys you want leading anything. OK, in my experience, <laughs> um, they just are right because they're all self-important. And they look at me, look at me, look at me. And that's not Christianity. Right. I mean, the greatest mm -hmm. leader in my lifetime is, has been uh, St. Pope John Paul II, right? Mm -hmm. And that, to me, and that was the most humble man, um, but he was very devout. You know, look what he did for the Catholic Church. You know, the, the priesthood exploded, marriages exploded in a good way, um, the, the culture of life was defined. I mean, truly, he was a gift from God and gave us everything we needed for our time. And, and all of that is still there. I would encourage people, look, Read, read what he wrote, read his encyclicals, read, study, study those that have come before us. Because as I began by saying, there is no time in heaven. The church is timeless. You know, what she writes is timeless. She's never going to change her, her, how her, her views or, 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 or our opinions or, or, or natural law on issues of abortion, contraception and marriage and sexuality. Those things are, are perfect and invincible and they'll, they'll never change. So you've got to have the confidence to lean and trust on those things. And as you mm -hmm. grow in your faith and grow in confidence in the Lord, you naturally lead your family out of just love and devotion because you want what's best for them. Right. We hear a lot. About, said, uh, yeah. Yeah. We hear a lot right now about like the new evangelization and what does that mean? It's, you know, in effect, you know, the idea of we're called to live that public witness of our faith and again, how, what does that look like? Well, it means to be set an example, to set that witness. And I think of, you know, this idea of maybe taking the, seriously that responsibility you know, everyone's looking for an influencer on social media but the reality is is that our greatest role models really should be the people we're interacting with day to day you know being a role model for your spouse being a role model for your children and you know again that confusion about what leadership means it's a wednesday and in the catholic church we're called to turn our gaze and our attention and to saint joseph during this day of the week and i think about how saint joseph in no way whatsoever represented what i think we tend to stereotypically think about the idea of leadership he did it in a very quiet at least from the perspective of scripture right like a very quiet and authentic and persevering way even when he had doubts even when he didn't know what to do and I think that that's a telling example of what that role modeling should look like within the home. Absolutely. And he's the perfect example, Timmer, because he he leaned on his faith. Right. He leaned on his faith. Um, he trusted his faith. He even even at the um, uh, when he learned that the woman he was going to, to marry is now pregnant. Right. It said that he was going to quietly divorce her. 
he, he leaned on his faith. He trusted. He didn't want to embarrass people. He was a, a humble man. And then the Lord, you know, blessed him, obviously, abundantly with angels speaking to him and leading them in the path they should follow um, and arming him with the things that he needed to to raise the son of God. But that still was his choice. Right. He still had free will. He could have woke up when Christ was four and said, I can't believe any of this. This is, this is insane. And, you know, rode off into the sunset. He didn't do any of that. Right. He stayed. And we don't we're not sure because of tradition, you know, at the passing of St. Joseph. But we know that Christ raised as, as a carpenter was greatly influenced by by his father. And he's the perfect example. He's a perfect example of humility. Right. Um, I know families that um, have adopted children or, or men that have married women that already had children and use St. Joseph as their role model. And those families have been blessed beyond understanding. And, you know, it's that faith. That's faith, right? Faith is, is trusting in the things that we believe but cannot see. And the meeting I just came from where I was hoping I could get to my office to make this, this phone call and talk to you. I coach a football team. We played the best team in the state of Virginia and got utterly destroyed <laughs> on Saturday. And the one of the ins the one of the the incidents at that game was when, well, uh, was from a, a um, I guess a friend of one of our families who just acted in ways that are highly inappropriate with language and criticism. This so I called the entire community together. Was it necessary? Maybe not, but to me it was because my message was very simple. Ninety nine percent of them are. are, are are good Christian or Catholic people that are supportive that would never act in such a way. But my message was that the sport, n- none of that matters. Who cares? It's how we conduct ourselves and lead our children that matter, right? And to have to say this in a Catholic school about a family that you know acted in, in such a way of, in terms of language and demeanor and being inappropriate, I'll shut the football thing down today. It doesn't really mean anything to me. What means something mm-hmm. to me is being able to influence these young men. God has blessed that effort beyond our, we've been successful. We've had great victories and, and the championships and all that's great. But God, why? Because we serve the Lord. When you talk about public witness. So I have kids involved in this thing that are not Catholic, that are not Christian, but are, but are moving strongly in that direction. So it's not just the examples we set, but we pray as a team. If we ever eat together, we pray. We, we talk about scripture all the time. And I'll talk to them relentlessly about things related to, to sexuality or the hookup culture or, or how we treat women uh, or, or, or the things that we view or the things that we listen to or the music that they're listening to on their ear on their earphones before a game. Right. It, it, we have to guard our soul. Uh, St. Jose Maria said, guard your eyes. I would say also guard your ears. You've mm-hmm. got to be very careful about yeah. what you put in mm-hmm. because the world will just curse and swear and. And these young men need to hear that because the world is not giving it to them. And for men, to get back to your the, the, the premise of the conversation, we've got to lead not just our families, but we've got to lead just by serving Christ. Just that witness mm-hmm. is enough. It's all the Lord mm-hmm. asks. Just bear witness. It's all. You're, you're reminding me of many ways of the words of St. Paul in First Timothy chapter 4. He talks about setting an example, a good example. And how do you do that? He says, through speech, conduct, in love, and faith, and purity, in public reading of scripture. And these are all things that you've men- mentioned and you discussed, you know, speech, faith, love, purity, you know, purity, integrity of the heart, mind, um, of eyes, all of that. And then you mentioned also early on, you know, the reading of sacred scripture, how transformative that is for setting the example, feeding your soul, and helping you to know 
what it is you are called to follow and obey in God's commandment, you know, what that ideal is, seeing you know, the crucifixion, the sacrifice of Christ and what led him there, that builds the character and the role of the man within the home. And again, it takes a reconsidering and rethinking what leadership means to you, what that actually does mean, especially within the perspective that as Catholics, we understand that God-given role of the man within the home for leadership. You're listening to Turning with Timory here on Relevant Radio. That's Hugh Brown, the Executive Vice President of American Life League. Thank you so much for joining us, Hugh. Incredible work. Check them out at all.org. That's all.org. We'll post a link on social media as well as in the podcast notes for today's show, which, by the way, if you're not able to join us for the full hour, relevantradio.com forward slash trending to listen to the podcast episode or wherever you catch your podcast, Spotify, Relevant Radio app. We're there wherever you like to be. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. What is going on this week? Madonna supposedly via TikTok came out claiming she was gay. Do you buy it? Also, apparently there's a double standard because if you're in the military, not in the military, well, rules apply a little differently, whether you're a man or a woman. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But here is some shocking news, and it's not really been highly publicized. There was a major leak last week on social media. Twitter account went up of a presentation that was given by the Pride Alliance at a kickoff presentation for part of the school year last week. They post on social media and they posted photos of some of their slides and data they had. This was a major leak showing that in Maryland, school district, school district of Montgomery County Public Schools has seen nearly a 600% increase in so-called reported gender non-conforming students in two years. So we're talking about what it looks like in 2019 versus what happened in the 2020 school year through 2021 and the 2021 school year through this year. The largest jump in the number of students who are identifying as so-called gender non-conforming is actually in middle school. And the number is much higher. So you have elementary, middle school, and high school students increasing in the number who do not conform with their biological sex, essentially. At least that's what it would seem to mean here. So the presentation, the data there was astounding. It wasn't meant to be made public, wasn't meant to be given to taxpayers, even though in the public schools, our taxpayer dollars are going to help fund presentations such as these. If you're a parent and your child is in the public school system, you need to be raising you-know-what and getting into Maryland, the Montgomery public school system. You need to make a change, and if you can't, you need to pull your kids because they are being brainwashed. So the slide data showed this. 45% of gender non-conforming students were considering themselves non-binary. So again, just not defining what they are. So 84 schools reported data. This includes elementary, middle school, and high schools. The data only includes, get this, only includes students who filed the forms with the school district. So we're only talking about students who actually were willing to say they're 
identifying as something different, they're struggling with something different, and that shows a 600% increase. What does that mean in concrete terms? In 2019, let's say there was one child, for every one child that identified as gender non-conforming, LGBTQ, whatever spectrum they were on, now there are six today. Again, the data only includes those who are willing to file paperwork and forms with the school district. A lot of kids probably aren't sharing this information with those who are older with them than them. Here are some scandalous things that came out in this leak. Again, accidental leak. The form used to collect the data includes information about how parents, well, parents, you're not being told the truth or told anything for that matter about your child. The parents, the form makes it very clear. The parents can only be informed of their child's gender non-conforming LGBTQ identity, get this, quote, if students state that the parent is, one, aware and two, supportive of gender identity. So if the parent is not aware, they don't have to tell and they should not tell the parents, according to this document. And they don't have to say anything to the parent about how this is being presented in the school system, in the classroom, in sexual activity with other students, if they know that the parent is not supportive of said gender identity. Sit with me for just a moment here because this is a very, very important. The school guidelines and the double standards we are seeing in the school systems, particularly the public school systems, are claiming that you as a parent have no right to know what's going on with your child. Imagine this. What if my child was presenting himself as Spider-Man? He insisted on being called Spider-Man. Maybe sometimes, you know, his undercover Peter Parker identity, maybe he'd choose that. Never forget the day my brother would not take off his Spider-Man costume, insist on wearing it to church, my poor parents. And of course, my siblings are the ones to ask, ask to take up the gifts that day for church. He, we were able to get him, you know, out of parts of the costume. He goes up for, goes up to give the gifts at church. And the priest asks, oh, what's your name, little boy? Well, we forced him out of the Spider-Man costume today. So he said, Peter Parker. Okay. Little childhood delusion, right? But it was also fantasy. It was made up, right? If he was 15 years old and still saying that, there would be a concern there and we'd have to address it. So walk this journey with me. Imagine my child presents himself as Spider-Man and insists on being called Spider-Man. It persists. It doesn't stop. He is refusing to sit in his seat at school. He is being asked, or he's asking for the ability to hang upside down from the ceiling for class. So he maybe wants you to jerry-rig something for him to hang upside down. Now, this could be harmful, you know, just all the blood rushing to his head and for the amount of time that he'd like to do that, all of class. It would also, too, be disruptive to students. And three, at a certain point, it would be a lie to this child to just support the delusion that he's Spider-Man. In this instance, if my child was presenting himself as Spider-Man, causing disruption within the class and insisting on doing things that are harmful or unsafe for other students, such as hanging upside down like a spider coming down from the ceiling on a web, well, do you think that the school would notify you? Do you think they'd have a problem with it? Absolutely. But this is a double standard. 
If someone presents as any form of LGBTQ, they don't want their parent to know or it's known that the parent doesn't, doesn't agree, then the school takes it upon themselves and considers it a right to keep that child's identity and actions a secret from their own parent. But stand with me for a moment. Just like the Spider-Man example could be harmful, a lie, delusionment, and disruptive to both the individual and classmates, so is, for example... Cross-sex hormone therapy, which by the way, in the state of Oregon and many other places today, not just Oregon, you can go and get cross-sex hormones basically for free and without parental consent as young as 15. In fact, most Planned Parenthoods and many other clinics are now giving cross-sex hormones to children because they consider gender identity their right. There's going to be a huge legal battle over this one day. I hope it happens soon because it's literally damaging children's bodies, preventing puberty from ever occurring or taking the proper course, and it's irreversible damage. It's also by not telling a parent about an LGBTQ identity and keeping it a secret, you're also allowing for grooming of a child into an LGBTQ community that tends to be more sexually active. That's not appropriate for a minor. And by the way, more sexually active between adults and minors. That's illegal, just to be clear, but this is what the school districts are supporting. Also, Children who identify as LGBTQ have a higher rate of self-harm, anxiety, depression, and as we know, it's very clear in the research, we've talked about it with psychologists, sociologists, and many others here, as well as therapists on trending, an LGBTQ identity is pretty much always linked to a comorbidity that occurred prior to any gender delusionment or dysphoria. So what I'm saying is there was usually depression, OCD, anxiety, social isolation, loneliness, any number of other things that were going on before the symptom or something started to present itself as gender dysphoria. But just to be clear here, you would be notified if your child was presenting himself as Spider-Man and in being insisted on being called Spider-Man and wanting to hang upside down from the ceiling. But you wouldn't be told anything by a school if your child identified as LGBTQ, if your son wanted to use the little girl's restroom, if your son was taking cross-sex hormones. Spider-Man identity is clearly a delusionment, a totally delusional. But if you are identifying as LGBTQ, if it has anything to do with sexuality, you as a parent have no right to information. This is a completely made-up rule that schools and teachers, school districts are following. There's no legal basis for this, and it's harmful for your child. Now, the data that was leaked from the Maryland School District should be eye-opening for every single parent in the nation. That in 2019... We see a 600% increase. So for every one child that identified as LGBTQ then, now it's six. But some other information that's come out that's very clear is what is quote-unquote gender nonconforming? Well, the Center for Disease Control, the American Medical Association, and Planned Parenthood, among other groups, consider gender nonconforming to be a little girl who, for example, loves trucks and doesn't like dolls. So they're brainwashing children to make them think, or should I say question what they think or believe or know about their biological reality, 
sexual orientation that they're still getting to know? I mean, what high schooler truly understands fully the reality of their orientation, attraction, and how to navigate any of these things? Many 20-something-year-olds still are trying to figure this out. And let's be real, many adults who are married are still trying to figure out how attraction and male-female dynamics function. And so to say that you are gender nonconforming, if there's any slight confusion you have in your maleness or femaleness, if you are more artistic, if you prefer trucks, or any number of other things, this is what the Center for Disease Control, the American Medical Association, Planned Parenthood, and other groups are using to give people an LGBTQ identity. And they're coercing people into these identities, causing severe confusion about identity, religion, biology, sexuality, morality, all of these number of things they're creating confusion about in some of the most important and formative years for a young person. It's got to stop. And I think the really neat news is, and I'm excited to share this with you, we're seeing places where people are speaking up and standing up. Places such as just this past week in the state of Michigan at a school board meeting, the school board meeting was shut down. And guess what? Why? Because people like you, parents, parents showed up and they stood up and they spoke up. Hundreds of parents showed up in Dearborn, Michigan at a public school meeting. And they were specifically protesting LGBTQ books. Now, This is an area, if you know anything about Dearborn, Michigan, it has a very, very large Middle Eastern population, uh, predominantly in many ways Muslim, but also there are many, many Christians living there in Dearborn, Michigan, who also come from a come from the Middle East, are migrants from the Middle East. And so there were signs out there saying things about the books that their kids, their little kids were being exposed to, little kids, let me be clear, keep your porn books to yourself, homosexuality is a big sin. They're hearing from parents, parents who have a worldview standing on the belief in God, saying that sexuality is wrong, pornography is wrong, stop showing this sick, twisted sexual content to little children. Now, one thing I will say in some of the some of the signs that I think is important theologically and morally to point out, in many of these signs, you did see things such as um, confusing desire and action. And as from a Catholic perspective, I think it's important to recognize all of us can have disordered desires, whether it be attraction to person of the same same sex, whether it be an attraction to steal, a disoriented disoriented. Um, and a wrong attraction and interaction with alcohol, any number of things. But it's what you do with your desire that determines whether or not something is moral or not. Just because you have a same-sex attraction doesn't make you gay. Gay is a lifestyle. It's an action. So we shouldn't be punishing people for struggling with a desire or an attraction We should be addressing the actions and the action here that's problematic, just to be clear, is showing pornographic content to little children. There's a book I talked about about six or seven years ago uh, that was very prevalent in and still is in California public school curriculum for little children, fourth graders in particular, 10 year olds and sometimes younger, called It's Perfectly Normal. It has illustrated pornography 
It is one of the top recommended books by the Teachers College for recommendations for resources for teachers to use. It's used and very well known, probably in other places as well, in Oregon curriculum, California curriculum, San Diego curriculum, Maine curriculum. It's concerning, it's scandalous, it's grooming, it's experimental. It leaves kids at risk of sexually transmitted diseases, among other things, pregnancy. Hey, anyone want to talk about monkeypox? The images, and I posted a link to this last week, the images in this book, it's perfectly normal. It's literally illustrated porn and activity and things that I don't even need to know, yet alone a 10-year-old. So parents, what do you need to do? Pay attention, especially if your child is away from home. Doesn't matter. Public school, private school, sometimes even our Catholic schools. Pay attention. You as a parent are the primary educator of your child. You can't outsource education. You are still culpable and responsible even if you do outsource it. Because you can't outsource it. You're still the one who needs to vet and pay attention. Don't just trust a teacher. Even quote-unquote good people can have agendas. So one, pay attention, vet content, don't trust. Speak up and make changes when there are problems. But please, I beg you, don't risk your kid. This is, I think, the sacrifice we have to make. Stop playing this experiment with our children. If things cannot and will not change in your school district, in your school, and quickly, rapidly, before the scandalizing occurs, before the grooming occurs, before the experimentation occurs, get them out of there. If there's a risk, pull them out of situations. I was so proud of so many parents who in waves I heard, particularly last school year, at the beginning of the 2021 school year, the number of people who said, I changed school districts. I'm driving my kid half an hour further. We're, we're homeschooling. I never thought I'd homeschool. The number of people who were making major changes because they said, stop putting my kid at risk. This data that is not supposed to be made public from the state of Maryland at a school district where they're showing a 600% increase in two years of kids coming out as gender nonconforming, and that number is much higher among middle school students in that school district because these middle school students in particular are struggling with this, and we need to stop playing this experiment, allowing for the scandalizing content. Vet everything. Don't trust people. The Catholic Church teaches that as parents, we are called to have children and to raise our children in the faith. We are the primary educators of our children. Don't outsource. Don't just trust. Yes, have faith in God as you go through education choices. Be confident in where God is calling you to, but also still check curriculum. Still question teachers, even good teachers, because we need to stop putting our kids at risk of this confusion when it comes to identity. And at the end of the day, it becomes confusion with reality and religion too. This is Tim Ray from Trending with Tim Ray. Dive into a weekly marriage hour with us, whether you're married, single, seasoned in marriage. Love to have you join us. We're going to be talking about why young people are leaving the faith, what it has to do with marriage, and really diving into those real reasons why young people are leaving. 
how it relates to relationship, intimacy, all of it. Join me Thursday for our weekly marriage hour, 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.